0: Betty and Bob is a radio soap opera. The soap opera followed the lives of Betty and Bob Drake. Betty was a secretary who falls madly in love with her boss, Bachelor Bob Drake. The two wed in each day, the subject matter dealt with everything from love to hate, jealousy to divorce, murder to betrayal, and collusion to insanity. The program was the first radio program produced by future daytime radio monarchs Frank and Ann Hummert. The program also began a long partnership between the Hummerts and scriptwriter Robert Hardy Andrews. The program originally starred Elizabeth Reller and Don Amici in the title roles of Betty and Bob Drake. The role of Bob Drake is credited as the role that made Amici the first radio sex symbol. But during the program's eight year run, four other actresses, including Arlene Francis, portrayed Betty and seven other actors, including Lester Dramain, portrayed Bob. 6 7. According to author John Dunning, Ratings for the soap opera plummeted after the addition of the Drake's son Little Bobby. Raymond Williams Dedman speculates that listeners refused to accept bickering and jealousy when a child was involved. Little Bobby died of pneumonia and the Drakes divorced. But ratings never did pick up again. The last few years of the program centered on how Betty and Bob grieve over the loss of their son, Bob's relationship with his new girlfriend Pamela Talmadge, portrayed by Ethel Kuhn, and Bob's time in and out of a mental institution. The program premiered on the Blue Network on October 10, 1932. The program moved to CBS then to NBC's Red Network where the series finished on March 15, 1940. The program was sponsored by both the Wheaties and Bisquick divisions of the General Mills Company.
1: Chet Andrews has told Bob how deeply disturbed he is over the fact that Margaret Jameson has fallen so desperately in love with him. He feels contemptible in his own eyes but he is still going to go through with the plan of trying to discover from Margaret what she knows about her father and his connections with the political bosses against whom Betty and Bob have declared a war to the finish. Now we join Betty as she sits alone in her office at the Trumpet, wondering what's happening between Bob and Chet, wondering about the debt-ridden Mrs. Werner, the wife of gambling Councilman Werner, wondering about the young hoodlum Hap Davis, whom Bob believes beat up Chet at the bidding of the bosses, Yet, whom Bob has told to come around and ask for a job. Wondering what next step Walter Humboldt and Martin Anderson will take to counteract all of hers and Bob's efforts to find out the whole sordid truth about them and, in exposing it, destroy them.
2: Yes. Mrs. Werner? Why, of course, send her right in. <coughs>
3: Hello, Mrs. Werner. Hello. I asked your secretary if you were busy. No, indeed. There's a lull right now for a little while. Please sit down. Thank you. I was afraid you'd begin to wonder why you hadn't heard
2: from me. As a matter of fact, you're right, Mrs. Werner. Uh I decided not to go down to Fontaine's and look at their dresses till you could come with me. Oh, that wasn't really necessary. Oh, yes, it is. You know, there's a difference between saying somebody sent me and coming with that somebody. (laughs) How are you feeling, Mrs. Werner? Oh, I'm fine now, thank you.
3: Are you really? Yes, that dizzy spell I had. They come and go, you know, and when they go, I'm perfectly all right.
2: Oh, I'm glad. You're looking well. Am I? I'm waiting for Bob now, but couldn't we have lunch together and then go to Fontaine's? I won't be able to today. I've
3: got some company for dinner and there's quite a lot of shopping to do. Well, you make it almost any time you like and it'll probably be all right with me. Um, Mrs. Drake. Yes? I want to apologize apologize? Yes, for the way I carried on the other day, I was pretty hysterical, I guess, and I don't want you to think that I'm that way all the time. Well, I'm sure you're not. It's just that, well, just that particular day, everything seemed to be so bad. Things aren't really so bad. Well, they never are. You'd think that we were going to be put out on the street the way I was talking. Things aren't that bad at all. As a matter of fact, I don't know why I took that check from you. Oh, please, now. Let's not even talk about oh, it. Oh, but I want to talk about it. Because I I deposited it to my account and I paid a lot of bills. And then suddenly I said to myself, What have I done? I, I, I've taken money from a woman that I barely know. Oh, please, Mrs. Werner. When Al came home and I told him about it, he was very mad. And he had every right to be mad. And he insisted that I pay you right back. But really, there's no need to. I had to wait a couple of days to make another deposit. But, well, I've got it here in my purse. There's no rush. Oh, yes, yes, there is. I've got to get this off my mind. (sighs) Well, it's not on my mind. Uh, Here you are, Mrs. Drake. The check for $250, that is the right amount, isn't it? Yes, yes, that's right can't tell you how wonderful I think you are for having done this for me. Oh, come now, anybody. Not anybody. Nobody else would have done a thing like that for me. But I've got to be going now, Mrs. Drake. So soon? Yes, and I'll call you in the next day or so and we'll go down to Fontaine's together. I'll be waiting to hear from you.
2: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to say for it? Yes. Well, Mrs. Werner,
3: goodbye. Goodbye, Mrs. Drake, and let's hope that I'll behave better in the future. <laughs>
2: don't forget, now, I'm usually free from one to three. No, I'll remember that. Mr. Davis? Yeah? Uh, won't you step into my
4: office? Your office? Well, I'm waiting to see Mr. Drake.
2: Well, why don't you wait for him in here? I think he's been expecting you. Expecting me? Yes, that's right. Uh, won't you come in? Oh. Oh, okay. Well, um, won't you have a seat, Mr. Davis? Oh, yeah. But if I remember, Mr. Drake didn't really expect you until tomorrow at the earliest.
4: Yeah, but I, I saw him this morning, and he said if I'd come around, he'd get me a job in the delivery department.
2: Oh, yes. Yes, he mentioned that to me, too.
4: At first, I... I thought I'd wait a couple of days before I came around, but then I figured he might forget all about me by then, and I thought I'd follow it up right away. You were wise. Hey, uh, I heard a lot about you.
2: Yes? Yeah.
4: And most everybody thinks you're a terrific dame. Do they? Sure. Sure, you hold a big job like this. Well, I always said you didn't do nothing. Your husband just gave you an office to sit in, just to give you something to do, but...
2: Well, that was a nice thing to say, without knowing it. Hey,
4: am I really going to get that
2: job? Yes, I think those
4: are Mr. Drake's intentions. He don't like me.
2: Well, he he thinks you're quite capable.
4: In the delivery department? Well? Listen, I got two things in any department. If I wanted to, I could be a printer, or a reporter. I could even run this whole joint. You could. Sure. Sure, running things, that's the easiest job there is.
2: How do you know?
4: All you have to do is be tough and know what you want.
2: And you're tough and you always know what you want.
4: Yeah. Yeah, that's me.
2: Glad to meet you. Hey, you're
4: laughing at me.
2: You don't want me to take everything you say seriously, do you?
4: Everybody else does. When well, they get their head broken.
2: Oh. Is that a threat?
4: No. No, I just didn't want you to get me wrong, that's all. It'll take me a couple of weeks to find out what's going on in that delivery department. And And then what? Then I'll be the head of it.
2: That's Casey's job.
4: That's one of the reasons I want it. That guy's been turning me down for a year. Why? I got all the qualifications. I'm strong. I'm smart. Smarter than he is, the punk.
2: Oh, please, Mr. Davis, don't get mad.
4: Well, just thinking about that guy makes me mad. The way he sized me up. He didn't say Nothing. Just looked at me for a while and then shook his head. You'd think he was weighing a piece of cheese.
2: Well, if you're going to work for him, Mr. Davis... Hey,
4: hey, don't, don't call me mister. Every time you say that, I look around the room to see if somebody else is in here. Call me Hap.
2: <laughs> All right, Hap. But if you're going to work for Casey, you will have to get along with him.
4: I'll get along with him.
2: You know, if there's any antagonism, he'll be bound to feel it.
4: He'll feel... Listen, there's nothing to worry about, Mrs. Drake. Casey and I'll get along. Tell the truth, I, uh, I want to get along with Casey for a little while.
2: Any special reason?
4: Sure. Sure, I want to learn everything he knows. And I want to learn it quick.
2: You're making a mistake if you think you can ever get Casey's job. He's been with this newspaper a long, long time. Way before Mr. Drake and myself came here. Okay. Are you a trumpet reader, Hap? Hap?
4: I read the sport pages. Do you like them? They could be better. In what way? Well, those reporters you got, they don't know nothing. Now, take that fight last week between Kid Dorsey and Joe Regan.
2: Oh, yes, I remember reading about that.
4: Well, those reporters you got didn't see half of what happened. They're Mm -hmm. blind. My gosh, he was sticking his thumb in Regan's eye all during the fight, and they never even saw it.
2: I don't see how they could have missed it.
4: Well, Dorsey waited until they got in a clinch, and then he'd do everything. Get his head under Regan's chin, backhand him, and then that thumb. It sounds as if you bet on Regan and lost. I did. That don't make no difference. I was talking about those reporters. They saw nothing.
2: And you saw everything.
4: Yeah. And I could have wrote it, too.
2: But you can do everything.
4: I didn't say I couldn't.
2: Oh, hello, Bob. Hello,
4: darling. Hello, Hap. Hiya. My secretary told me you were in here, Hap, and I just phoned Casey from outside. He wants you to come right down. You know where it is? Yeah. Okay, Hap, lots of luck on your job. Oh, thanks. Be
2: seeing you. You bet.
4: <laughs> well, what do you think of him, darling?
2: Well, he... Well, he frightens me. The world is his oyster, and he's going to squeeze it.
4: Think he'll be a troublemaker?
2: Oh, yes. Probably not in an obvious way, Bob. Not if Martin Anderson wants to use his having a job here in some more insidious way.
4: It'll be the more insidious way.
2: But that boy does frighten me, all right. He's so tough. He isn't human. He must have been human once. Maybe. Edith Werner was in here just a little while ago.
4: Yes? What for?
2: Pay back that money I loaned her.
4: Why so soon?
2: Well, she says her husband got mad about it. Which means that he probably told Martin Anderson, and he got mad about it. I don't think I'll be seeing a lot of Edith Werner from now on. She's been warned to keep out of my way. But now, I'll get in her way.
1: Well, Betty doesn't frighten any easier than Cheddar Bob. Season this thing with Bob to the finish, whatever it will be.
0: Retro Radio Today does not claim ownership over copyrights to any radio shows on our podcasts. The work in this episode has been identified as being free of known restrictions under copyright law, including all related and neighboring rights. The show copyrights are believed to be expired.